0: Amen, amen. <clears throat> I want to give a shout out to all the moms out there. Um, let's 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 have them stand up again. Let's just give them a round of that. That was a pretty emotional. Wow. Um. It, it, if. We, we, we have gifts for you. If you haven't received a gift, please stand up. We want to make sure that you get a gift. So if you haven't received a gift, please stand up, and we'll make sure the ushers give it to you. Um, I just want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. I, I think about my mom, and she's not here right now. I think she's watching online. Uh, hardest worker I ever met, and truly my hero. And in a lot of ways, uh, as, as children and as uh, spouses, sometimes we don't show appreciation. And I just hope that you feel honored today. I hope that you feel appreciated, and uh, because it's well deserved. Um, you know, today is my wife's first Mother's Day, and um, and I, I just want to sh- I want to share, sweetie, that um, you you are such the perfect mom for Ryan, and uh, we love you dearly. And um, God is God is amazing; He truly is amazing, and so. Uh, today, what we're going to be talking about, we're going to conclude our series on the passport of a land of enough. And um, I know um, some visitors are here. Maybe your, your mom brought you out to church. And so we're in a series right now. This is a five-part series. And uh, you can go on. We have these newsletters. And on our newsletters, it has our website. And you can go on and you can watch them if you haven't. Um, this is the book. It's $6. And we're selling them in the lobby. But this is the last part of the series. And this, this part of the series, we're gonna talk about this apostle, this great apostle named Paul, writing a letter to this guy named Timothy. And so th- this, this, this apostle who 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 Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, writes to his protege, Timothy. This is his side, he's writing to his sidekick. This is like Batman writing to Robin, okay? And so we're gonna start in verse 17. And um, and this is what it says. It says, as for the rich in the present age, charge them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides for us everything to enjoy. He says, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so they, they may take hold what is truly life. Today we're going to kind of make sense of these, these verses that we're looking at. Verses 16, I mean 17, 18, and 19. So the, the title of the talk today is God's Economy. God's Economy. So if, you're with, if you can join me, we're going to start off in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, uh, we love you so much. And we just want to thank you for the opportunity to, to share as a community today. And I just pray as we talk through a subject like this, through resources and and finances, that we encounter you, that we can see you more clearly through the scriptures. I just want to share that we just love you and we we thank you so much of what you give us. And also, I just want to pray for the mothers out there. I pray that they just feel honored and appreciated by you, God, that they just feel special. And I, I thank you so much. In your name, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, let's get a show of hands. How many of us growing up just uh, didn't grow up with that much money? Like growing up, you just didn't have that much money. Okay, there's quite a few of us. That was certainly my upbringing uh, from like zero to 11. Like we were um, pretty economically challenged. We had an economically challenged neighborhood. There was like stuff getting stolen on our lawn all the time. And there would be like bars on our doors and windows and stuff like that. But I was fine. I mean, I never knew that I, I didn't have that much money growing up. My mom, that's not how my mom raised us. She never said that, hey, uh, we can't afford this. It was more like, hey, we ain't going to do this right now, you know. And so, I mean, I was fine that, you know, again, the neighborhood we lived in, I was fine that um, my sister and my brother and I, we all shared a bedroom. We had a triple bunk bed. We had, it was my sister, it was my brother, and it was me. And the funny thing, it was like, it wasn 't like one piece it was like frames like stacked up on each other, and there was no ladder we 'd get pushed up up there and, and i didn 't mind that my mom raised was uh, uh, a single mom who raised us three uh, until this one particular day. Do you guys remember the day that you realized that you didn 't you didn't have that much money and so again i didn 't mind the neighborhood that we were in i didn 't mind that the fact that um, we didn 't have that much. I know there are times where we would for Christmas we would get gifts from the Red Cross or the YMCA would babysit us once in a while. And so, but this one particular day was this family that I went to school with, this, this, this kid who invited me to his birthday party. And his, his dad was a Hall of Fame jockey, a horse jockey. Back in the 80s, he, he, he won multiple times the Kentucky Derbies, the, the, the Belmont, the Preakness. And so they invited us up where he, they lived. And when I mean up, I mean up <laughs> to where they lived. And so I remember I was about eight or nine years old, and we're driving through this neighborhood, and I remember just looking. And I'm just like, my gosh, there's a lot of, like, schools right next to each other. There's, like, elementary schools and high schools. And my mom's like, those aren't schools. Those are houses. I'm like, no. Those are houses? I'm like, if those are houses, I want to be adopted, right? Like, I was, like, born in the wrong family. And so I remember we're, we're walking to, the, to, to this house, and I know you guys are like, okay, you're exaggerating. Of course I'm exaggerating, I'm like eight or nine years old, my mind's just like exaggerating. And so, we're walking up, and, I, and I've never seen like two doors before, I mean, correction, we had two doors, we had like an iron screen door and like a door behind that. <laughs> but I never seen like two side-by-side doors. And I, was, I remember thinking my mind, my nine-year-old mind, like, who, who needs two doors, like what human needs like two doors? And then I, I got it. I was like, okay, like rich people, they like to like open their doors like this, right? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And so I remember we walk in and it's like marble. It's mar- first time I've ever seen marble, as far as I can see. And I'm like, what's this? I'm like, we had like surfaces. We had like carpet and like linoleum and like bits and pieces all over the place. And so we walk in and I remember looking at this, this room that was like in, in its perfect place. And I remember thinking like, like, it looks like no human being's ever been in this room before. If you know what I mean, they're like mo marks. Like, it looks like no one's ever stepped in this, this room before. And I'm all, I remember asking my mom, like, okay, like, what is this room? She's like, oh, you know, that's a formal living room. I'm like, what, what's the formal living room? She's like, that's the living room that no one uses. I'm like, this, rich people have rooms that no one's allowed to use? I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, holler at your boy, right? We had, like, we had multi-purpose rooms. This is your kitchen, and this is your bedroom, right? <laughs> and so, I remember thinking, this is incredible. This is exactly where I belong. And so, I remember we, we walked down, and, and, and he it had stairs that went down kind of like this, and, and, and looked over the whole dining room, and, like, looked over the whole city. And he had, like, a basketball court, a, a, a swimming pool. He, they had, like, arcades. Not like an arcade system, actual arcades, and um, I remember at the end of the day, my mom's like, we gotta go. I'm like, no, this is my new daddy right here. I don't know who this lady is. And, and I know it's Mother's Day. I'm sorry, mom, I'm just sharing the story. But um, I remember we had, we had like a prime VW bug and, and we had no back seats in the bug. And we were riding in the back of this bug, my sister and I. And this is the first time I realized that we didn't have that much money. And it was a pretty dark day. And um, I remember, I have, I specifically remember we're, we're at nighttime. It was, a, it was a full moon and i remember this laying in, in my bed and i remember like the moon like the the, the shadow of, like the, the the lights going through like our barb like uh, window and i remember thinking i'm in prison this is horrible this is horrible right and, and so so and i know it's, a, it's probably a horrible story to tell during mother's day but when we when we hear scripture like this like admonish the rich charge the rich I mean, automatically we think, oh, those are the rich people. Those are the ones with the double doors, the formal living rooms. Those are the ones who have like 24 sports cars. And, and those are the ones who have like a, a jet and, 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 you know, a vacation home, Bentleys. And so, you know, Paul, when he talks about this scripture, he's not talking about me because those are the rich people. And so I just want to correct this notion when we look through this scripture. You know, you, you have to understand the ancient context, you know, the ancient setting that Paul's talking about. Because back then, there was only two classes, that you had the the haves and the have-nots. And the have-nots were the people who didn't have a roof over their head, people who didn't have food, didn't know where they were going to find their food the next day, the people who didn't, you know, didn't have clothes, barely had rags for clothing. And so when he uses the term rich here, he's talking about the haves, the people who have food, people who have shelter, people who have clothing. And so when he talks about this, these two classes here, this subject is for those who have food, who, who have clothing, who have necessities. And so that what, what this, clearly by this definition, the word rich used here, it, that would be you and that would be me. And so what's interesting about this verse here, this whole passage that we're going to look at, is that Paul, Paul's a vessel used by God to, to write two-thirds Of the New Testament. And and, and of all the scriptures, of all the writing that he's right, this is the scripture that talks about resources, finances, and money. This is like the primary passage that we're going to look at today. And and so, you know, I I want to encourage you today, we're going to look at, in a moment, uh, Paul introduces a a new economy, a different economy. He, He says, you know, I want you to open your minds to think about the way we view money, the way that we, we, we think about our checking accounts, or the way we think about our savings or baking accounts, the way we look at our clothes, or the way that we look at our cars and stuff like that, even our game systems. I know we have some teenagers here and some campus students. We're going to look at an entirely different economy that Paul's going to talk about, okay? But before we get into like the, the practical instructions, I want to... For us to, to he, he deals with this emotion of money. And so he says, he says to Timothy, tell the people in your community to ch- charge them. And so what Paul is doing, Paul, he, he's, he's instructing this young pastor. He's saying, hey, teach them. Preach to them. Charge them, those who have resources, those who have money, those who have food and clothing, charge them to think like this. Charge them to approach their money like this. In other words, preach, teach, encourage. Hence, this is what we're doing today, okay? And so, notice how he addresses his two primary emotions of money. He He says, charge them not to be haughty, that's number one, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, What he's saying is, number one, he's saying, tell the people that they're no better than anybody else because they have money. And number two, that their life won't be better because they have money. I mean, imagine if we believe these two things. How would that affect our emotional relationship with money? Because the elusiveness, this sensation is that, you know, if I can just have more, My life would improve. If I could just have a bigger house, if I could just pay off this mortgage, if I could just have this stuff, pay off all this stuff, my my life would be better. I mean, would it? Would you be internally fulfilled, more satisfied? Would you be at more ease, more at peace, more, more, more fulfilled? If I could just have money, my life would be happy. Have you ever talked to anybody who has a lot of money? I mean, have you? I mean, come on. We, we live in a fluent part of this world that I'm sure a lot of us have rubbed shoulders with people who have a lot of money. Might I may ask you, did, did, their, did their soul seem more at rest? I mean, did they, did, they have, did they have like a skip in their step and a sparkle in their eye? Were they like singing Disney tunes in Costco when you saw them? Did they seem more at no? We all know Biggie said more money more problems, right? <laughs> and he was right. He was right. But if we're honest, we have this this struggle with this, this internal emotion. If I can just if I can just pay this off, if I can just have a car that works. If I can just have this. If I can just have clothes that fit and or if I just had a new Xbox because the old ones doesn't work anymore my life would and what happens you get more and then you want more right you want a little bit more it kind of perpetuates doesn't it and so Paul he says to Timothy he says tell the people who got money tell them that they're no better than anybody else and that their life won't be better now nowhere in the scripture does he say that he ever puts like people who have money down I mean this is the primary scripture that, about resources, finances, and money. Never does the vessel that God used to, to write two-thirds of the scripture ever say that, hey, money's bad and rich is bad and you shouldn't have any. He just says, hey, you have to understand, one, you're not gonna be any better than anybody else and your life won't be any better. And if you understand that, then emotionally you have a healthy connection to money. I mean, imagine that. Imagine how healthy and angst-free that you would feel, that the core of you felt that, hey, hey, I'm no better than anybody else because I have money and someone doesn't, and my life won't be better. I'm just content, and I'm just satisfied who I am. Wow, wow. He says, tell them not to set their expectation on the searching of riches, but on who? But on God. Amen. He says, tell the people not to set their expectation on money, but on God. Tell them that God is the source. See, what Paul is doing, he, he's moving to this instruction. He, here's this unique economy. He, here's this different economy. And there's only one source in this economy. This is where people struggle with. He says there's, not, there's no other sources in, God, in God's economy. He says, if you you want to participate in his economy, you got to be resolved in the fact that you aren't the source, your job isn't the source, your abilities aren't the source, your talent isn't the source. God is your source, right? God's the source in his economy. And, And the beautiful thing is God, he's a dependable source. And he says, tell the people that they shouldn't put their hopes on money but on God, who, who, by the way, richly, richly provides us with everything to what? Enjoy. To enjoy. Isn't this awesome? Put your hope on God. Why? Because he says he will lavishly, he, he will provide everything that you need to enjoy, to be happy. This is amazing, right? Right? See, what Paul is doing in a second, we'll see too, he's connecting and he's about to do, you know, giving and having fun and happy and to enjoy. I mean, you want to be happy? I mean, who here doesn't want to be happy? Who's here? I'm like, I'm just tired of being happy. I mean, I'm, I'm just like a room without a roof and I'm just sick of it, you know? I just, I just don't want to be happy, right? Nobody. You don't want to be sad. Hopefully that person doesn't exist. We want to be happy. You want to be happy? Jesus is quoting an, an, an act saying this. He says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The message version says this. It says, you are far happier giving than getting. Okay, Wait, hold a second. I'm far happier giving than getting? I mean, think about it. Let's pause there for a second. If, it's, if there's anything that you can get here today, I hope that you get this I mean we're talking about the land of enough we're talking about God's economy we're talking about money matters money does matter it matters to God because it matters to you and if you have a problem that we're talking about money today at church I just want you to consider this that money is the most dominant aspect in life on this planet and so I just want you to think about this we'll go back to the scripture in a second think about this if, if you, if throughout the day, if you, all your thoughts that you have on money were replaced with God, instead, how would your relationship with God be? I mean, that's what God wants. He wants to be the source. He wants you to be on his mind. He, he wants you to, his strength, you, your strength to be on him. And, and so this is why the scriptures, I mean, Jesus says you're far more happier Giving than getting. You want to be happy? Learn to give, he's saying. Jesus says, you're far more happier giving than getting. This is this is what Paul's alluding to. This is what he's saying. Put your hope on God, not on money, not on resources, not on possessions. Put your hope on God, who will lavishly give you everything you need. Why? So you can be happy. Okay, God wants me to enjoy life? Yes! God wants you to enjoy life. Lavishly. Understand that language. Shouldn't, you should ne- don't let anybody ever put you down or belittle you on the expectation that God wants to do in your life. How he wants to give to you and he wants to provide for you. You can say, well, well, how can I say that? How, can he la- how do you say that he's, he's given to me or he's provided to me or how he's lavished me? Well, the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Hashtag lavish. He gave his son. I mean, would he he not give anything else? We ought to expect this from our God. You might think, well, okay, well, define lavish. Okay, it's, it's all relative. What do you lavish to you when you lavish to me and when you lavish to this individual over here and over here? It's all relative, right? But we should expect that our God and anticipate that our God provides for us in lavishing ways. We should free ourselves from that and expect that. I mean, that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. He says, Paul, tell the people that God will provide not to put their hopes on money. Wow. I mean, it gets to the core of it. It gets to the core of how we look at our God. I mean, there's a new economy we're talking about here. And God will speak to you about your money if you allow him to speak to you. You understand, God wants to bless you. God by nature, understand this, church. God by nature is a provider, a lavish provider. He wants to bless you. Now, if, if you want to step into to God's economy, it's, it's, not going to be, it's not going to be complex. It's not going to be difficult. It's not going to be challenging. It might be, a little, it might be a little risky. You know, people might think that you're socially awkward. It might be a little uneasy. People might be thinking like, oh, what? You gave what? You, you gave to who? What, you, you did What? I mean, I've had, literally, I've had financial planners tell me before, hey, you know, Anthony, you know what? You give way too much. I'm like, you have no idea. I don't give enough. Because the more that I give, I I see the vision that God has for my life. So unmistakably. Amen? Amen. You know, if you want to participate in God's economy, I want want to show you, we're going to see in a second right now, uh, uh, Paul gives some practical explanations that he shows in the scriptures. And he says this. This is where we kind of go into these practical explanations, these these statements you can say. He says, tell the people that they are to do good. Tell the rich people that they are to do good. In the original language, literally this means to do good. If you you check it up, it means using your money more than luxury. Tell the people to, to, to do good. This literally means to use your money more than luxury. Not instead of luxury, just more than luxury. Your, your ambition and desires uh, to make money uh, should be more than just getting a bigger yacht. Now, I hope you get a yacht, and my wife and I, were free on the weekends, and you can take us out. But it should be more than that, he's saying. It should be more than luxury. I mean, this is our entire economy. This is our kind of... Our our system of thinking, particularly in the Western world that we're built on, more luxury, right? If I can just have more luxury, I can do more. I can have more. Paul Paul's saying to Timothy, he says, "Hey, tell the people in in your church who have money to think of just beyond their personal luxury, just beyond that, just beyond that. You know, uh, if I can just have." a better car if i can have a new car if i can have new shoes if i can just have a new square footage in my house if i can just have uh, buy this house or you know get a better place or get, it, get out of my roommates i mean a- almost all those desires there's nothing wrong with them he's just saying i hope that you think beyond that start to use your money more than luxury now, the next statement gets a little personal. He, he says, tell the people to be rich and good works. He's saying, tell the people who, who, who have food on their tables, who have, who have clothes, clothes on their backs, who have shelters over their head, tell them to, to, to not just throw money at it. Tell them not to just uh, to throw dollar bills and change in a bucket. Tell them to roll up their sleeves and get dirty, and get involved for the aid of humanity. Tell them to get involved physically, to get on with the fight. Tell them to hook up with Will Neal. Tell them to go to your cities, to your communities, to Pomona, to downtown, to open your doors to your neighbors, to physically, to tangibly, literally get involved for the fight of humanity. Tell them not just to throw money at it, I mean, I don't have a problem with us giving them money, but but I pray that that our generosity eclipses more than just throwing change and money in the bucket. We need to get involved. I mean, so far we have this opportunity helping out with this cold winter shelter, but I know if Will had his way, we would be doing this every single day. And I just, I just pray, I really hope that our, our community here, our church here, will we'll, we'll go out to help the hundreds and thousands in our community, that we would roll up our sleeves and we would, that we would go out and, and help the aid of humanity and the preservation of life. We gotta do it. We gotta do it, church. I mean, this is what it means to be a part of God's economy. We need to believe in this. It's more than just, our generosity is more than just money. It's our effort. It's our energy. It's our time. Amen? Amen. He says this, and this is kind of the most practical. Um, he, says, he says, they are to be good, to be rich in good works. And he says, they are to be generous. Tell them to be generous. Now, this, there's no way around this, Okay. I mean, you can look up the word yourself, but the original language, honestly, the, little, little, the original language means literally giving your money away. Go home, check it out. It, 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 generous means liberally giving your money away. Tell the people in your, in your church, Timothy, to give their stuff away all the time. Now, you want to participate in God's economy. You want to be happy. You want, you, you want to embrace these things. He says, develop a lifestyle of just giving them stuff away all the time. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> it gets better. He says, be generous. He says, "To be generous and ready to share what this next scripture we're gonna, or verse we're going to see or next words we're going to see kind of go hand in hand because be generous means that you're just literally giving money away and, and being ready to share literally means that you're... you're, you're you're on like, kind of like this, you're plotting. Like you're planning, that you're looking, that you're anticipating ways to just give. That you're literally on like the generous prowl. Just looking for everywhere that you go, thinking like, okay, you know, oh, does this person over here, does he need food? Oh, you know, okay, sir, let me get you some food here. Or this, this family over here needs clothing. Let me, okay, let, let's get them some clothing. Or, you know, this person needs a place to stay. I don't know how, how you find a place to stay, but come with me. We'll, 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 we'll figure it out. I mean, I want you to think about this. I mean, we, we, we got about 600 people that sit in these seats, church, every week. Not counting those who can't make it or those who are online. 600 plus people who sit in these seats every week. I want you to think about this. In, in, in a city, San Gabriel Valley, two and a half million people, 600 people. If we just went around, uh, and, and we went around in this world, we went around in our community, we went around in our de sacks, we went around to our neighborhoods, to our, our cubicles, to our jobs, to our universities, to our schools, to our high schools, to our elementary schools, and we started to embrace this economy, just roaming around, searching ways that we can just give stuff away. Think of the difference that you and I can make today. I mean, there, there are people out there who want nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing. But you give them a warm blanket, you pay, you pay for their meal, you give them gas money, you show, you show them a, a, a little compassion, and I, I promise you, they will listen to the message that you have to share. But they won't Until we demonstrate this generosity that God has lavishly shown his goodness and his grace on us. I mean, mean, that's what the Bible says. I mean, if you think about it, uh, our money, put in its proper proper, uh, place, has everything to do with the message that we have. It says where your heart is, there your treasure is. My heart's with him. My heart's with Jesus. Whatever you want is yours. Whatever I got is yours. I mean, I don't want to be at my end of my life on my deathbed wishing I had a bigger boat. I want to know that I gave everything. I leveraged everything that I had so his, his, his name would be known. I mean, what, what is more important than that? And so... I just want to encourage us. I want to encourage us just that we think like this. We embrace, you know, in God's economy. I mean, this is what he talks about, you know, putting your trust in God that he will provide richly. I kind of want to end it with this. Uh, there's a couple more stuff I want to show, but Solomon. You think about Solomon. Solomon was the richest person on the face of the earth. I mean, it, that, that's what scholars believe, that he was the richest person on the face of the earth. And, and uh, what Solomon says in Proverbs 11 22, he, he kind of shows his observation of economy. It's this extraordinary observation about economy. And uh, uh, we're going to see what Solomon's econo- uh, economics were. Get this, this is fascinating. This is the richest man on the face of the world. And this is what he says. He says, one who gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withhold what he should give and only suffers want. Take it, take it or leave it. I mean, this is the, the richest man on the face of the earth, his observation about economy. I mean, the, the, the message version says this. It says, the word of the world of the generous gives larger and larger. It says the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. This this, is God's economy. I mean, think about this. I mean, I I, I just want to encourage us just that we we think that God is our source. I pray that our church, that we embrace God's economy. I'll end it with here, the concluding verse that we looked at. It says, hey... Be generous, ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for their future. He's talking about eternity here. So that they may take hold of what is truly life. That they may take hold what is truly life. Money can't give you that, my friend. Money can't give you true life. He says, tell the people in your community to learn to, 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 to give that God will provide and that to take hold of what is truly life, which is none other than Jesus Christ, our Lord. I mean, far, far, far be it for me to hold on to all this stuff and not take hold of what truly is life, which is Jesus. All that is secondary. Jesus is primary. And so I, I just want to encourage us as a church you know, if you want to participate in God's economy, use your money more than luxury. Nothing wrong with using luxury. Just use it more than luxury. To get involved for the fight of humanity. To make a difference in this community that we're a part of. And third, to develop a lifestyle to be generous and be ready to share. Amen? Well, I just want to ask that you guys would join me right now uh, in prayer as we pray for the communion. Okay? Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for loving us. And I know it's so easy to be distracted because we got bills, we got things to pay, we have things that we just want. And I just pray that we we never get distracted of seeking you first, God. And trusting in you and helping to understand you will provide for us, God. I thank you for these moments that we have, that you've lavished so much on us, God, of your love. Think about the cross, Lord, and how much you sacrificed your Son just for us, that you've given your Spirit to us. That's such a great gift. I pray that we're just grateful for the things that we have, grateful that the things that we We've been provided with. We are so blessed in many ways. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.